What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Oh, no, my eyes! My eyes! Ah! Ah! <laughs> Yeah, you know I had to put this in as the intro segment. Firstly, because it's the only scene anyone knows from this movie. And secondly, because it's not even in the fucking theatrical release of the fucking movie. This bodes well for the next hour, doesn't it? Don't watch. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Don't Watch This Film, the podcast where we watch some of the worst horror movies in history so that you don't have to. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Don't Watch This Film, the podcast where we watch some of the worst horror movies in history so that you don't have to. Why did I say it twice? Because this is Reboot Month! Hey, it's a pun. So, <laughs> I am W. Adam Clark. I'm just sorry. You fucking should be. <laughs> Please don't be taken in by that happy intro that you just my dear Hi, everybody. Just... How are you doing today? Are you having a great day? Great. I am happy you're having a good day. You know what? I'm having, you're happy you're having a good day because my day was shit. <laughs> I had to watch this movie. And we had to do it two different times because Discord fucking blew up during the first time because Discord was trying to do me a fucking solid. So anyway, so for those of you who aren't $10 and up backers and don't have the opportunity to find this information out, what, what had happened was we started trying to record the watch along for this movie. First thing today, bright and early, great start to the day. What a way to ruin a good fucking day. Anyway, um, we got a half hour into it and then Discord shit the bed. Like literally a bunch of their servers went down and Tia was able to communicate on Discord, but I was not. And that makes that a one, one directional conversation, which really fucking sucks. So we then had to wait until I was done with everything else I had to do today, including streaming, and then finish the, watching the movie after we did the streaming. And after I did my Twitch broadcast, and then we finished watching the movie. And that was an extra hour and 15 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. And now we're going to talk about the movie so that you guys can know <laughs> don't watch this film wait a second hold on let me do this closer to the don't watch this film there we go okay stop it so this In... one's going to be a little bit different because we have to do what we normally do plus also we have to constantly reference the source material because part of the thing we were doing this month is how do these things hold up against the things that they were trying to remake for fun and profit so there will be times where we will talk a little bit about the precursor and such so that you have an idea of where we're coming from. And yeah, just in case you're not familiar with the original properties either. Because yes, The Wicker Man is in fact a reboot of a pretty damn good 1970s? It's 1973. Classic 1973. movie. Classic movie. If you're going to watch anything that has the name Wicker Man in it, watch that one, please. Yes. Oh, God, yes. So, what on earth did I subject my poor co-host to this time? <clears throat> if you are not familiar with the 2006 reimagining of The Wicker Man, I'm going to give a very brief synopsis, and then we're going to go into where this movie fails, because it does. It just does. Oh, on, yes. on so many levels. How many levels? <laughs> All of the levels. <laughs> so. Policeman Edward Malice on leave after an event involving and her daughter getting hit by a semi after Edward pulled them over gives him severe trauma. He receives a letter from his ex-fiancee Willow that her daughter Rowan is missing. Edward, still having feelings for his ex, travels to an island off the coast of Washington State where Willow lives. The island is populated by mostly women who are dominant in all of the professions and shops and fewer men who are there who do all the menial labor and don't really seem to talk much. Edward asks the villagers there about Rowan, but they deny knowing her or allude to the fact that she's dead. Edward finds Willow, the ex-fiance, who is scared about her missing daughter as Edward explores the island, getting the runaround from the people who live there while finding strange neo-pagan sightings, things like books, suggesting some dark happenings on the island with regards to their crops, specifically their honey crops. 
Finding Rowan's grave, Willow confesses that Rowan is Edward's daughter. On the day of a festival celebrating fertility, death, and rebirth, coincidentally taking place the day after Edward arrives on the island, a parade happens which results in Rowan being revealed as alive, bound against a tree. Edward rushes to unbind her and carries Rowan away from the pursuing villagers until she returns to the crowd and the leader, and Willow reveals this was all a plot to get Edward on the island. Their intentions were to sacrifice Edward for the cult's festival and to make sure the honey crops are bountiful for the following year. After breaking Edward's legs and tormenting him with bees, which he is allergic to, Edward is placed inside a giant wooden wicker man and lit on fire by his own daughter. I would like to point that out. While the villagers chant in a ritual where they plead for their goddess to grant them a bountiful harvest while he's burning alive. Yay! Happy film That's for it. the whole family. <laughs> so, that is Wicker Man in a very, very small nutshell. Yes. To be honest, like, I gave you all that you need to know about this particular version. And honestly, all that you need to know about both versions, because they, with the exception of some roles are gender recast, like the story mm. is pretty identical. The main twist here is that Nick Cage is related to Rowan, but in the original, the detective is not at all related to anyone from the island. Also, the mm. other big thing is the original one is British and takes place on one of the isles near... Scotland. Yeah, I was trying to remember, like, there's a name for that body of water that's, like, right between Scotland and Norway, much like the, the channel between England and France. There's another name for the channel between... Scotland and Norway. And, but anyway, that's where the island's supposed to be, if you want to take a look at it. This one, the island is in the Pacific Northwest. I think you might mean the North Sea. I don't know. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> it's not germane to the situation. Okay. So, a couple numbers for this one. The rating for this movie is PG-13. The genre would be mystery thriller, horror, more or less police procedural kind of thing. Uh, it's directed by Neil LeBute, who would be best known for Some Freaks in 2016 and Death at a Funeral in 2010. Produced by Nick Cage, who is best known for being Nick Cage. Uh, Abby Lerner, <laughs> who is best known for producing Rambo Last Blood in 2017 and The Expendables 2 in 2012. Randall Emmett, who is best known for producing The Irishman in 2019 and Borderland in 2007. And Norman Golightly, who is best known for producing... Ghost Rider in 2007, and The Sorcerer's Apprentice in 2010. And that guy, I want to say, is the reason why this didn't work, because, like, nothing he touches turns out good, and most of it has Nick Cage and bad Nick Cage. So, <laughs> there we go. Uh, the release date for this movie was September 1st, 2006. This film had a budget of $40 million. Continuing last month's stellar record, this movie had a box office gross of $23.6 million, meaning it done fucked up. The runtime was an hour and 42 minutes. Rotten Tomatoes give this film a critical score of 15, 1, 5, an audience score of 17%, and IMDb gives it a aggregate score of 3.7. By comparison, the original has a critical score of 89%, an audience score of 82%, and a 7.5 on IMDb. So, it's not in the same league, not even in the same fucking sport. Uh, <laughs> this movie stars Nick Cage as Edward Malice, who is replacing Edward Woodward, who played the police officer in the original one. Ellen Bernstein of which you would best known for being Ellen Bernstein. If you don't know who she is, please watch a movie. Requiem for a Dream in 2000, Alice Doesn't Live Here in 1974, The Exorcist in 1973, Last Picture Show in 1971, House of Tomorrow in 2017. She's still going strong today, folks. Please, like, just watch all of her films. They are all better than this. Uh, as Sister Summer's Isle which is replacing Christopher Lee as Lord Summer Isle from the first one. I'm going to say that neither one of those two are as good as the original. I mean, Nick Cage is Nick Cage, and he's trying to replace the fucking Equalizer. 
Because for those who don't know, Edward Woodward went on to play the Equalizer in the 80s on TV. You may remember that TV show. Uh, and Ellen Bernstein, while she is phenomenal and incredibly gifted, she's trying to play a Christopher Lee role. And that you, it just can't happen. Just, just don't even try. Go a completely different direction because you're not going to be able to duplicate Christopher Lee. Um, in fairness, she is the best damn part of this film by in, a long shot. In fairness, the ending credits is the best damn part of this film. She does a good job. However, nothing in this movie is as good as the movie fucking ending. Kate Bean, who was best known for this, and that's sad, Stephanie in Flight Plan 2005, and the fucking coat check girl in Matrix Revolution plays Willow, who is replacing Britt Eklund. And not not even close not even close i'm not going to go in further into anyone else that was in this movie because i don't fucking care because none of them managed to be <laughs> hold a fucking candle to their counterparts in the original script i mean i know i'm um spoiling the reveal here but uh if you haven't figured it out yet th this movie is nowhere near the classic which was the original Wicker Man. So, with that glowing introduction, Tia, aside from you suggesting that we should watch this movie, what went wrong? I fully accept responsibility. I get it. You damn well better. <laughs> so, we have a there's... list. We have a list of, of reboots we could have watched. We got like 20 movies we could have watched this month. <laughs> and we start with this thing. This, this thing. Oh, God. Ladies and gentlemen, I pay her to be on this show, and she chose this thing. I don't pay her much, granted, you know, but, you know, she, she gets compensated for her time. And, 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 and this is the thanks I get. But it's, is it not entertaining? Are we not entertained? No. <laughs> not even. Okay, so there's there's two ways that we have to do this because we have to do this a little bit differently because it is reboot month. We have to analyze the film as its own entity and then analyze it against the source material. Right. Finally, I get to say we actually do get to think about the movie that we didn't get because we actually got it. Right. Yep. So what the hell went wrong? Okay. They there's hit play. They no, sorry. They hit record and we hit play. That was what went wrong. <sighs> Good night, everybody. Check us out on Patreon. No. Right. Um. Okay. And I'm gonna say this, and Adam's gonna give me a look, and it's okay. There are a few things in the remake I like that they changed over the original. There is one thing in the remake that I like that they changed, and you're not even gonna bring it up. No, probably not. So. I like the fact they did a really good job of a modern adaptation of a 1973 folk horror story. The cinematography is very pretty. They chose the Pacific Northwest, which, if you're trying to mimic the Emerald Isles of Scotland, you're probably the closest you're going to get. You would think that, except that their Pacific Northwest was mostly filmed in Bulgaria. <laughs> it wasn't even filmed in the Pacific Northwest. So there goes that theory out of the water. Um, I like the fact that they actually gave the policemen that they called forth, summoned, as they said in the first in the in the first Wicker Man. I like the fact that they gave him some kind of a reason to be there and to stay and to be invested, other than I'm a stuffy British policeman doing my damn job. I'm sorry, like is doing your job and trying to do the thing that you've sworn to do not enough of a reason for a cop to do his fucking job? Doing your job, just out of duty. Yes, admirable. We get it. Having an emotional stake and a reason to stay there? Granted, the whole, you know, once you're here, you cannot leave thing is, is present in both films. I think it plays better. I think it plays better if he's got a reason to be there and a reason to stick around. Okay. That's just me. I, I'm funny that way. I get it. One of the things that I don't necessarily like, at least not as much, 
and I don't necessarily... I can see why they did it, but I don't like the fact that they felt the need to gender swap necessarily. And that very well could just be because Christopher Lee's performance in the original was so damn good that everything just fell into place. I understand the whole, like, female-led paganism, which is, you know, very, very common pagan circles. I understand the, you know, 2006 female empowerment type of thing. I understand why they gender flipped. I just don't think they ne- they necessarily needed to for the story to work. I- I'll agree with that. I-, I mean, that's a writer's prerogative kind of thing. It's fine either way. I-, I don't think it needed to be there. I don't think it either added or subtracted from what we got in any way. I think it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's just right. a thing that's a thing. One of the things that I didn't necessarily care for is the fact that in the original Wicker Man, it was a case of this is how we are, this is how we live, it is what it is. And that attitude was kind of carried throughout everyone who lived in the village. Right. In the 26, or sorry, in the 2006 remake, there's a very heavy overtone of arrogance and condescension that kind of threw me off. I understand this is a drow society and have the power i get that you know they run the shops they run the businesses the men are there as silent drones i understand what they're going for but the way they just made it very everyone's so damn bitchy it's off-putting instead of coming off as this is our culture we embrace it this is how we live it's a matter of fact that it is what it is yeah i get that they were trying to do a parallel between Beehives are run by a bee of the feminine gender, and thus the island should be matriarchal and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I I, I get where they were going with that. However, it's also the only woman in the hive, and you didn't have everyone else on the island be a fucking man. So you've already blown that premise out of the fucking water, and you already Mm -hmm. don't make sense. And now all you're doing is kind of coming off as, like, backhanded misogyny they're all evil because they're women like it, it uh misandry no they're the characters are being misandrist but i'm saying that the writing is misogynist because the writing is saying all of the misandrist people are evil all of the evil people in this movie are women women are evil misogynist Okay, I think that went down at least five layers that they did not intend, but I see exactly where you're... Yeah, well, I, whether or not they intended it, that's <laughs> literally how it plays out when I'm watching the whole thing. I'm just like, so what you're trying to tell me is that women, all women are bad and you should never trust women and, and women are trying to take over the world. So, like, it just... Oh, whether, again, whether it was intended or not... The read that I got from this was, ooh, women are spooky and creepy and evil. And I'm just like, you know what? It's even by 2006, that was fucking tired. And 14 <laughs> years later, 15 years later, I'm fucking more tired of it. So, uh, well, what was the not portion that you liked in the, in the, what was the one thing that you found that you appreciated over the original in this? What was Willow's last name? Woodward. Yeah. Because they changed the name to honor Edward Woodward. Yeah, they also called the police officer Edward. That was also a call. I figured you caught that. Yeah, but that that's what I liked. I liked the fact that they changed oh, okay. I, I liked the fact that they changed the name of the the girl on the island from looking up things live while recording. Uh Willow McGregor. McGregor, right. They changed the name from Willow McGregor to Willow Woodward. I liked that. That that was okay. a nice so touch. The, the sole thing that this movie has as a redeeming quality throw back to the original. Yes. So, okay. All right. The sole thing that I liked that this movie did, independently of the source material, is the throwback. Absolutely nothing else that this movie did, I appreciate. It's fucking dumb. It's wrong. And it's bad. They are live on an island 
off the coast of either Oregon or Washington. Take your pick because neither one is California. And Edward Malice is a police officer, not detective, fucking flatfoot. He's a motorcycle cop. They, in fact, even go into the fact that he has not yet taken his detective's test. He has not taken the detective's exam. He is not a detective. So, with the police precinct knowing what he's doing, he goes one to two states out of his fucking jurisdiction to investigate a potential child disappearance slash kidnapping slash murder slash whatever else it could be regarding a missing persons complaint from out of his jurisdiction. At no point should his... This movie should have been eight fucking minutes long. The intro happens, we get the opening credits, he gets this letter, he calls the Fed. That's it. Because there's not a fucking thing he can do. Yes, furthermore, you know, the, the plot twist that, oh, he's related to the to the child, unless you get the ending that we now have, you are under the assumption that Nicolas Cage and Willow have a relationship together and that they know each other and that they spent enough time together that she got, she lived on, you know, man's world and she was engaged to him and like there was a lot of story going on. Maybe that happened, maybe not, because the ending shows that maybe it was just like a really quick one night thing, even though they said that she he was engaged and yada yada yada. Fine, whatever. Like maybe they got engaged like within the first week and that's that's all that they were around. You know, maybe it wasn't a long thing. But in the original movie you get the idea that it's a long thing. And that she comes from this island and that her family has always been here. And she tells him nothing of where she's from and there's she's a mysterious woman with a mysterious past who I guess never talked about where she lived because but yet he knows she came from that island because she went back to it and like just fuck this movie like it it doesn't make any sense and again and the the time frame this we think that the girl is about 10 okay well, in the original movie, she was 12. That checks out. Let's go with 10 because it makes things more polite. We think that the actress playing Willow is in her late 20s. At the time, she was 27, but maybe she was 28 or 29. Well, for her to be 28 or 29 and have a 10-year-old daughter, that means that, and it was enough time for Nick Cage and her to get engaged, unless it happened like all in a week. That means when when our police officer friend, who was our main character and the person we're supposed to associate with, first started dating this individual, she would have been a minor. So yay, our lead character is a pedophile. We're really invested in him now, aren't we? Oh, well, our consent is 18 in California. Okay, we can't even say that. Right. So we, yeah. don't, we don't even have the Alabama. Def- nope. Nope. So, <laughs> so our main character is a pedophile. Our supporting character is a liar. And they're the characters that we're supposed to identify with and feel for in this movie. And yeah, not feeling it. <laughs> um, also the whole argument of the original, which they try to revisit in this one is that he is a willing sacrifice who came of his own volition and no one in the village hurts anyone who isn't supposed to be involved in the thing and the child is safe both times. We didn't actually do anything wrong, see? Everything's fine. Except they killed the fucking pilot in this one. The pilot who flew there in a seaplane. A seaplane that for him to take off, he would have had to have registered a flight plan. They sink the seaplane By the way, that's really fucking hard to do. They sink the seaplane in the bay. You can see the tail of the seaplane sticking out of the water when Nick Cage tries to figure out what's going on and he finds the body, which means there's now an actual murder that they can't say was free and of their own volition on the island. So the entire clean, neat premise of the first one is shot to fucking hell so that you can show a somewhat mutilated corpse. You could have just not had the body there. You could have just not had the plane there. Would have made sense for him to have already left. 
We know that he was unconscious for a large part of the day. He wouldn't have heard the plane leaving. We didn't even need that fucking scene. It doesn't add anything to the film. It doesn't support the original story. It doesn't support the revision of the original story. All it does is just make the characters who are bad worse. It proves that they're murderers, even though they're trying to claim they're not murderers. And removes any sense of ambiguity, which is what made the original one kind of creepy. Congratulations, you removed the creepy from your fucking horror movie. It's bad. It should feel bad. And it's interesting to note that this is actually a... Uh, passion project isn't the right word, but I'm going to use it. This is something Nick Cage actually pushed for. He wanted oh, yeah. to do this. I mean, when you star in a movie that you also produce, that's always the case. Okay, because you're putting up your own money to make sure this thing gets made. He really wanted to be in this. That means you would think he would really have an appreciation for the original material. That means you would think he would realize why the original fucking worked. And not shit over everything that worked by making it all not work. The original film was a study of class within a society what are generally considered outsiders from the United Kingdom, you know, the outliers, the people on the aisles, okay, versus the Metro. That is, that is a classist duality. That's where the original story is supposed to take place. The idea of the modern world versus the ancient world, shrouded within the identities of the order that maintains and those who still follow the old traditions. Okay, that's the original. That's the cult classic. This, instead of all of that, goes, this is a pedophile out of jurisdiction police officer throwing his weight around that he does not have because he's out of jurisdiction and fucking knows it versus an entire colony of misandrist women who say they're not doing anything wrong while knowingly murder at least one person. And they're trying to coax it in the shrouds of classic paganism. And then I, you, you really fucking lost me when you tried to make the argument, and this is one that if we ever do Witches of Salem or anything in that ilk, you will, I will rant long enough that we have bonus content. <laughs> I'm warning you all now, because you get this fucking story, this fucking myth, that Hollywood liked pushing in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and you would have thought by 2006 we would have been beyond it because every single proof has been out there for at least a fucking decade by that point. But nope, apparently not. The idea that the witches of Salem during the Salem witch trial were actually witches and actually pagan, when in fact, fucking none of them were. You've got two or three different possibilities as to why the Salem witch trials happened and why those particular women got burned at the stake. You can take your pick. Fucking none of the answers are, well, them dares was actually them witches because they weren't. And this movie tries to fly in the face of fucking known logic to try to say that they actually were witches and that they had fled the persecution of Europe to land near Salem, except all of the women involved in the Salem witch trials their families had been in fucking America for at least two generations. So fuck you, none of that makes any sense. And then from there, they fled across the country and eventually landed on this island and decided that they would stay here and never again enter man's world. Well, you don't have much of a fucking choice. There's nothing else further to the West but fucking water. How long can you fucking tread water? It's a fucking dumb premise. It's a fucking dumb plot. It involves historical fucking inaccuracies. It's just stupid. So I either have to assume that this movie takes place in an alternate reality where any of that is possible, at which case, why am I surprised that they're murdering people? It's an alternate reality where any of that is possible. Or you have to assume that this movie takes place with a cult where for some reason, none of them have fucking found out that the witches of Salem weren't actually witches. And that everyone is under the thumb of this maniacal cult leader that's in charge and has been since 1850, according to the story. So 156 years of maniacal cult leaders and no one's ever questioned anything? Or they're just bad at their job and it's a dumb fucking film. I'm going with the third. <laughs> 
Would yeah. you like to move on? I can rant more. I I don't really I don't really have anything more to add. I think honestly, bulk of the discussion is going to come in this particular episode when we discuss how we're. Gonna... Okay, so who is this film for? Only people that feel like they need to suffer more. Okay, so we can move on. <laughs> okay, if if if. If you are a person who likes to see how Hollywood can go astray reimagining you may want to watch this movie. You if might, but don't. Seen, Just don't. If you've seen the memes and wanted to know where they birthed from... No, they don't may... watch this movie because the version we got didn't even have the fucking meme scene in it! It wasn't oh, yeah, even in the movie! We... <laughs> the... the... Famous not the bees scene that we may or may not open <gasps> the uh, the episode with. They actually that is an unrated alternate ending that was added on the DVD. So in the See, version I that don't, we watched, I fucking I swear that was in the original theatrical version. It fucking had to be. It fucking had to be. I, I I will I will bet money that that was in the original fucking theatrical version, and they realized that it was dumb and it looked dumb and it's become a meme, so they edited it out for this fucking release. Had to be, absolutely had to be, had to be, had to be, had to be. And <laughs> and the thing that pisses me off most is Tia watched this movie on Tubi. I watched this movie on on Amazon Prime. So we watched two different sources for this movie, and neither one of us got the covered in bees scene. Mm-mm. Neither one. I will and do I research. I will find I'm... out. Maybe I will put it in in post, and I'll edit in right now. Ding! By the way, this is what <laughs> this is what W. Adam Clark found out when he did further research that he should have done before they recorded the podcast in the first fucking place. Okay, so for the record, I'm going to drop this in here right now. This is in the edit. As I'm doing the editing, I have just looked up this information and quote, the iconic moment of trash cinema does not arrive until the conclusion of the film's unrated cut. And the Wicker Man offers many takes on bees well before then. So the covered in bees scene that everyone knows was available in an unrated cut that was released as a home theater version and was not in the actual theatrical release. However, I believe that the unrated cut was the more prevalent DVD at the time. And now the theatrical release DVD has it as a bonus extra scene at the end of the disc. So that clears up that information and we return you to our regularly scheduled car crash. Oh, fuck. Like we get to the end and we're like, um, where was the B scene? How come we didn't get the B scene? Oh, we're just going right to the Wicker Man. Oh, I mean, I don't even get to watch Nicolas Cage suffer. Fuck. Evidently, what they had originally planned was the cut that we saw, and then a six months later epilogue that shows them setting up men to be sacrificed, which they make an allusion to the original film that the whole reason a guy needs to come willingly and be sacrificed, blah, 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 is because of their crops. In the original, it was just, I think, crops in general, and the the remake, specifically their honey, is what they're worried about. They make a very specific point that sacrificing Nicolas Cage in this way is going to help them bounce back from what was a record terrible year for honey harvesting, and then six months later proceed to act like they're setting up more men to be sacrificed. I didn't get that they were setting up more men to be sacrificed. I got that they were going to the mainland to get fucked so that they could, you know, have more children and create more babies because they're smart enough and they actually make a comment about this in the film to not waste, to to, to not um, poison the genetic stock with inbreeding. They make a point of saying that they're not inbred. Well, the six-month-later scene shows you how they're not inbred. The women go to the mainland, find hot young studs in a bar, get themselves fucked, and then go back and have their babies on their island. You know, with the exception of Willow, who fell in love and stayed behind and fuck this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get that they were setting up more people to die. I got that they were, you know, needing to increase the base size of the population. They need more workers next generation. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Okay, so that's why then Nick 
was the way it was. But apparently in the original intended cut that we got on the DVD, they cut that part out. They just leave it at the man burning. And that's when they threw in the not the bee scene. So that's the, that's the I guess, intended director's cut, which kind of sucks, but okay. <laughs> I mean, when you're a lead star and your, you know, your executive producer are the same guy. I don't know why you need an alternate cut. It seems like that's the version that was bought and sold right there. <sighs> I'm just, I'm just not right? understanding director Neil LeBute's masterpiece, I guess. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Fuck this movie. Can I say it louder? Fuck this movie. So, how are we going to rate these? Okay, at DWTF, we use a rather unique scoring system, lovingly known as the dwtf meter On the dwtf meter every film scores a 1, because you should not watch any of these movies, especially this week. However, <laughs> the important thing is, 1 out of what? A 1 out of 1 movie is a lost classic that you absolutely need to see right away. This one is not. A 1 out of 2 is a great movie, which is tragically flawed, all the way down to a 1 out of 10, which is a movie that is bad, it should feel bad, and we want our money back, even if we watched it for free. So, on top of that, this week, we will additionally be rating the original, as well as how the movie holds up to the original. So that you guys have a little bit more information to go on, because part of this month is reboots, and did they do their job? And their job is to, A, make money, this one didn't, and B live up to the original masterpiece. Tia, would you like to go first or second? I will go ahead and go first and live up to the original masterpiece and also uh did 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 no did, did no it did no it, it did, did no know. not all so first thing I'm gonna be scoring is the original the original 1973 The Wicker Man which I did recently rewatch for this this particular review. This month we're watching two movies or more for you guys each week. Isn't that nice of us? Isn't that lovely? I mean, it, it does raise the chances that we'll see a decent film at least. At least at some point. I mean, this, to be fair, the 1973 is extremely well done. Beautiful music, beautiful cinematography. You can't ask more from your actors. You can't ask more from your uh, Sir Christopher Lee. Um, I mean, the original one... It, the, it has a couple moments that are that languid a little bit. It's it's a movie from the seventies. It's an all British cast. It's it, it's not a poppy American film. It's it is slow burn. It, it is absolutely it is it it smolders, but it <laughs> takes forever to smolder. Um. So yeah. So I mean, there there are some places to criticize the original, but uh, keep going. So, while there are some points that do along, and it definitely isn't as good as I remembered it the first time that I saw it was numerous years ago, it is still a very good film. It still holds up. I would highly recommend it. It is a very, very solid one out of four, I would say. You watch it once, maybe you go back and watch it again just to see what you missed or to appreciate, like I said, the acting, the music, um, the very subtle nuances, the build up that they get to leading up to the ending very very good one out of four for the wicker man 1973 2006's wicker man i like some things that they changed from the original in the modern updating of the story there are a few things that did not make any sense whatsoever and we've talked about numerous of them i'm gonna rate the 2006 wicker man a one out of eight it is not Bunny Man, so it's not getting a 1 out of 10. And there are a few things that elevate it past a 9. It's not going any higher. So, 2006 Wicker Man, 1 out of 8. 2000 and, er, 1973 Wicker Man, 1 out of 4. When comparing the 2006 to the 19 version, it stays the same. It's a 1 out of 8. It's not even coming close to original. It's not even approaching halfway. There are some things that I like, which bumps it up to eight. But otherwise, nah. It, if you only have a chance to watch anything with 
Man in the title, just watch the 1973 version, be happy you did it, and move on with your life. That's all you really need to do. Okay. Uh, all right, so um, the 1973 version... I'm going to this is going to take a while. The 1973 version is an absolute classic. If you are a DOT of horror, you really should have it in your collection if you still maintain a collection of physical media. If you have never seen it, you must see it. It is light and cheery and terrifying and horrible and everything that a horror movie in 1973 needed to be. It is unfortunately a product of its time, so when you look at it nowadays, it is a little old, a little faded, perhaps a little yellowed, but it is a masterpiece of cinema. It has, hands down, a phenomenal, phenomenal cast. It is just a masterwork story, start to finish, of the study of a psychological unraveling of a solidly, dependently Christian detective up against old-school British Isles paganism. It's a one-out-of-three film, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I have seen it probably eight or nine times at this point. I, I have no doubt that I will see it a number to- of times more, especially anytime somebody says they've never seen it. It is a great film. I wholeheartedly agree with the 89% critical review, the 7.5 IMDb, one out of three movie. Please, 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 if you have not seen it, find the original. The 2006 edition, standing on its own, I am also going to rate it a one out of eight. It is a terrible movie. It is bad. It should feel bad. But taken as a product by itself and in no way relating to any properties that existed before it, it is in and of itself simply a bad movie. Um, mm-hmm. it, if, it, if this had come out and was no way related to anything else, I, I, I think I would confidently score it a one out of eight. I mean, it, it comes close to maybe hitting a one out of seven at a couple different places, but literally like the best thing that the movie did in my estimation is a quiet nod to the classic, you know, the, the changing of the detective's name to Woodward. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the changing of Willow's name to Woodward and, and yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it, this is just, this is a bad movie. Nothing works. Nothing feels right. Nothing feels like it feels that people thought it worked. Like you're just going through this movie the whole time and going, I think maybe this is how Nick Cage thinks the world works. Like nothing in the movie actually makes sense. Nothing works. The things that, that that his police officer character do does are things that a police officer wouldn't do in those situations. And then he gets a personal stake out on top of it. And it's just, it's just fucking bad. There's like two or three points where I just call movie bullshittery while we're watching this thing, including the fact that his cell phone never fucking works the entire movie. Seven or eight times, he tries to make contact with people and has no way to get signal. While he's running, trying to avoid the entire town's worth of people, suddenly his phone fucking rings. And it's his friend, who is also a police officer. But the call gets dropped before he can get before he can actually talk to him. But somehow the call got through. And now you're going, oh, well, maybe this is how they find him. No, it's not even how they find him. They're all waiting for him at the pier because it's a fucking island. There's nowhere else he can go anyway. So it's a scene that breaks the continuity of the entire movie vis-a-vis there's no cell service there and then isn't even used for any plot purpose. The entire reason why it happens is so that Nick Cage can scream into a flip phone? You really felt the need to put that in your movie? The agony of maybe? <laughs> the, in- the, the intro scene, as, as I described during the, during the um, watch along, the entire first intro scene that happens and draws, like I thought maybe that was the same kid. 
It's not. It's just this thing that you use to develop pathos for the character because we have to show that he's a troubled cop, blah, blah, blah. No, you fucking don't. You didn't show that he was a cop by showing that he graduated from the police academy. Why do I need to see that this horrible thing happened to him? You could have just said that this horrible thing happened to him. It's not part of the film. It's not part of the story. The only reason why it's in there is so that you can use flashback sequences and dream sequences because your movie needs flashback sequences and dream sequences because the movie doesn't fucking work. It's a one out of eight movie. It's bad. It should feel bad. Now, the original was a one out of three today. Honestly, when it came out in 1973, it was probably a one out of two, maybe even a one out of one. But nowadays, it's a one out of three. It has held up that well. That's really impressive. This movie that knew that entire story was made by a fan of that entire story had years of time to develop and research and maybe make something that's a little bit closer to some form of paganism that could actually do this kind of thing. Maybe it could be based on something that was at least historically factual instead of using historical failures that are completely fraudulent as a basis for the fucking movie. By comparing this movie to the original in comparison, does this do what the original movie, does this live up to the original? No. When compared to the glowingness of the original film, this is a one out of nine at best. The only reason why I'm not going to call it a one out of ten is I'm pretty sure that Christopher Lee didn't shoot someone for making this movie. Although he would have been right to and no court in the world would have convicted him because he's Christopher Lee. So, yes, uh, as a as a self-standalone film, this is not a good movie. As an adaptation, it's an even worse movie. Yeah, you can skip exactly. It. Yeah, <laughs> just don't, don't. If you really want to watch A Wicker Man, um, please check out the 1973 version, especially if you have it. It is Christopher Lee at some of his Christopher Leeist. Uh, it is what he called. He called the best performance out of his 275 plus motion picture career. Yes. So there you go. Right. So if you're a fan of Christopher Lee in any of his forms, even his musical career, please go check out the 1973 version of this movie. If you are a fan of Edward Woodward, if you're a fan of the equalizer, please go check out the original version of this movie. If you're a fan of Nick Cage or Alan Burstyn, please go check out a movie where they were actually good and the movie they were in was actually good because this one ain't fucking it. There is no reason to watch this movie. It is terrible. <laughs> and that's how we're kicking off Reboot. It's only uphill from here. Okay, so our Patreon shout-outs. We would like to thank our patrons for making these movies possible because you allow us to be able to afford to watch some of these movies that we have to pay to watch. This movie was brought to us by the Chris's McCurley and Mallory. I'm changing the order because Dear Allie has been, has been responsible for three to four bad movies in a row. And at this point, she's just getting paranoid that it's all her fault. So this one, I'm changing the order of our patron shout outs this month. And uh, this one is the Chris's McCurley and Mallory. Thank you, gentlemen, very much for your support. It is greatly appreciated. Without you, we would not be able to continue to do this. Although, I, we better not ever do fucking this again, because this was terrible. What about our end-of-year reviews? And we can we can just mention that it was terrible and move on. If you would like to help support the if you would like to help support the show, please go to patreon.com slash don't watch this film. We have Levels one dollar, five dollar, ten dollars, twenty dollars, uh, even a dollar a month would be greatly appreciated. It helps to support the show, and it allows you to vote on our patron movie poll that goes up once a month. So you get to say, have a say in what we watch. Unlike Tia, who will never be allowed to choose a movie again. I really won't. Oh God, I can make suggestions. I, I might not even be able to do that now. No, you might not even be able to be the co-host anymore. Fuck this. <laughs> this is God. terrible. The film that got me fired okay thank you so much to our patrons but if you don't have the money to support us we absolutely understand we get it it is not growing on trees as nice as that would be we do have a fairly active social media presence on twitter at don't watch this f we post our patron movie polls to remind people to vote on them we talk about what's new in the world of horror we post random goings on mostly related to pg psycho gorman because adam is a huge fan but i got through straight. an entire episode without mentioning psycho gorman i deserve a cookie <laughs> <laughs>
and then you go and ruin it right at the end. <laughs> so if you don't have a dollar to like, a comment, a retweet, a follow, any of that will boost engagement, get more ears on the podcast, which supports us greatly. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here, listening to us ramble. By the way, we do it for you. Psycho Gorman is our highest rated movie that we've reviewed so far this year. I'm just saying. Just saying. It's not just me. It's the highest rated movie that we've reviewed. It's the best movie we've seen. We certainly don't do it for ourselves. <laughs> if, we were, if I was watching movies for myself, I'd be watching the original Wicker Man and Psycho Gorman. Psycho Wicker Man. That'd be fun. Christopher Lee and Purple Latex. God. You can pull that off. You can make that look work. Additionally, if you want to contact us about this movie or any other movie that we've talked about or anything, hit us up at dwtfmailbag at gmail.com, the official email address of the show. That will do it for this one. Um, next week's welcome episode. To welcome to Reboot Month. <laughs> yeah, you know, we set the bar low so that you don't have to or something. Anyway, welcome to Reboot Month. The next one. I mean, I, I, I did not give a high endorsement on this one. The next one, oh, dear listeners, is a remake of one of my favorite horror movies of all time, starring my favorite horror actor of all time. And we're going to go and see if the reboot can hold a candle to the original. <laughs> uh, I like that. You like that? I, I hope like people that. appreciate the work that I put into these teasers to craft such great linguistical notes that may or may not be related to anything. I notice, and at the at the end of the day, isn't that isn't that what we all want? Our no, what we all notice. want is to not have watched fucking Wicker Man. That's what we all want. <laughs> shit thank you all so much for being here through uh through this with us Again, how many zombievers on... does it take to cleanse a wicker man out of your brain is this a three zombiever cleaning probably considering they would take the wood down and use it to build a dam Ooh, zombievers <laughs> beat wicker man i like it <laughs> shit. wicker man would have been a better movie with zombies in it it would have they i mean it would have been a better movie with anything do it for it. this it would have been a better movie with anything in it. It would have been a better movie with nothing in it. It would have been a better movie if it didn't even exist. It would have been a much better movie if it didn't exist. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I have been W. Adam Clark. My name is Tia. And until you see us again for our next installment of Reboot Month. Don't watch this film.